doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And we have a very special guest today, Mr. Chris Hanna. He's going to tell us all about how he went from being a professional gambler to a professional financial coach. What is going on, beautiful people? Happy, happy, happy new year. Oh my gosh, I have all the thoughts in my minds right now, but I'm going to try to stay focused, okay? Um, I hope you all had a great new year celebration, you know, whether you was kicking it with your peoples, whether you was at the church, whether you was at home, whether you was... I don't know, wherever you were at, I pray you were safe. I pray you had a good time, you know, hopefully in 2022, moving on to bigger and better things, right? I hope we're all done talking to the moon. Oh my gosh, y'all, if I hear that song one more time, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just get on Instagram or TikTok and look at a couple of reels and all you'll hear in the background is someone is showing you the highlights of the year, you know, it's talking to the moon in the background. <laughs> or better yet, you'll hear the Kanye West sample, you know, it cannot always be night. You know, if you hear that one, you know, it's the, the, uh, the, the flexing music. It's very interesting, <laughs> but anywho, you know, now we're back in the, the swing of things in January. And I know that many of us kind of declutter before the new year starts. I did mine after the new year and y'all, let me tell you, it was, it was gross. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you know, those little crevices that you forget about in your house and just, you know, all the paperwork, all the unnecessary things you bought that you didn't need. And I mean, man, I'm beginning to understand minimalist just a, just a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I don't think I'll ever be a minimalist, but I think I'm beginning to understand them a bit more because oh, going through that clutter was just a mess. But after it was done, I mean, I feel great. You know, a lot of people put into their sort of goal setting is to have clutter-free spaces because really your your outside, you know, atmosphere in your home is a reflection usually of how you're feeling inside. I've noticed, you know, that if my household is cluttered, usually my mind is very cluttered and I'm very unfocused. So in order to help, you know, jumpstart and get focused in the year, you know, might need to clutter up your room or declutter, don't clutter, declutter <laughs> your house and, you know, declutter your finances, right? Um, I also am probably going to uh, switch up my budgeting just a little bit. I'll talk to you guys about that later. But cleaning out your house, you know, can definitely be like starting your financial journey. You don't know what you're going to find, right? Some of us aren't aware that our credit cards have 28%, you know, interest rates and all this crazy stuff. But I mean, once you get through the murk and you put on your gloves and you, you know, you dig through and you get your Lysol and all that stuff. I mean, once you clean it, it is just a priceless feeling. So for those who may be listening for the first time, or maybe you've been listening to me and you're kind of hesitant to look at your finances you know, go ahead and do that. And I hope that today's episode can be um, an inspiration for that. And this is, you know, obviously still a faith-based um, podcast, but I am a firm believer that you can learn a little bit of everything from anybody. So obviously, y'all, I mean, I don't endorse gambling, clearly, but I think that I was just really amazed at my conversation with Chris and just his overall journey and his openness and his candidness um, about everything he's kind of gone through. And as you'll hear in the podcast, he's a little bit like me. He kind of hopped around a bit before he, <laughs> before he found his groove. Um, but for those that don't know, you know, who is Chris Hanna? Chris Hanna is an entrepreneur and financial coach, 
less than 24 hours after graduating college, he abandoned a Wall Street job offer and began traveling the world counting cards as a professional blackjack player. He then turned mental gymnastics into physical by working five, yes, five simultaneous side hustles to support his passion for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He now brings all of this to the role of financial coaching. Chris helps UFC fighters and entrepreneur clients manage their money to gain peace of mind, spend more time doing what they love, and build wealth with confidence. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. All right. Hello. Welcome, Dumb Coins family. We have another special guest, Mr. Chris Hanna. Hey, how are you doing, Akua? I'm well. And yourself? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's, it's great to meet you and, and speak to you. Yes. Yes, indeed. And so, um, Chris, the, your, you know, your bio <laughs> is so interesting. And as we've discussed before, I love your story because like me, you have tried a lot of different things. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to get into all of it and we're going to kind of, you know, take it on back. And so you are a young professional, you know, you, you, you get out of college with a finance degree, a degree that many people, you know, aspire to attain. And then you say, all right, professional, you know, professional gambling, that's where I am going. <laughs> How did that come about? And then why did you ultimately stop doing that? Yeah. So uh, I, I saw the movie 21 is this uh, gambling movie that's very loosely based on the uh, professional blackjack team at MIT back mm -hmm. in the 80s. Very loosely based, but it was uh, it was a fun movie and it introduced me to this concept of counting cards and making money doing it, uh, gaining an advantage over the casino. I saw that when I was in, I don't know, middle school or early high school and uh, so I couldn't gamble at the time, but it was just, I was interested. Um, and, and that with the fact that I had been carrying a deck of cards around with me for like every day for the last couple of years, just because I loved magic tricks and David Blaine was such an inspiration. And he always said, he always, he always carried a deck of cards around, uh, around with him everywhere he went. And so I said, uh, well, I'm going to do the same. And so, yeah, not, I had this deck of cards on me all the time here. I see a movie that says you can, you know, learn how to count cards and make money when you're able to gamble. And so that was a little seed that was planted in my mind. And then by the time it came, uh, close to, to graduating college, it was about six months before graduating when you know people started to get real serious about what they were going to do afterwards. And I just really, for the life of me, did not want to get a regular job. I've just desperate. I, I didn't care for school. I've always wanted my freedom and independence. And so um, I, I reached out to my roommate and he was a numbers guy as well. I said, hey, have you ever thought about counting cards? Because I think we can really make some some money doing this. And he was all for it. He, he's kind of felt the same way, freedom and independence wise. He said, if, if there's something that I can do uh, that doesn't require me to sit at a regular nine to five job, then, then yeah, I'll do it. So we spent the next six months uh, or so just practicing every single day, not just counting cards, but all these other skills that you need to be a professional blackjack player. So learning all the plays, learning how to manage a bankroll, uh, learning the numbers and the statistics, how to estimate how many cards have been played from a six or eight deck shoe so you can uh, find something called a true count and how you can all, we also had communication signals, verbal and nonverbal, um, so that we could sort of play off of each other and all that together. Uh, you know, if you do all that correctly, you can be a professional blackjack player. So when the day came to leave, literally leave college, um, I had an opportunity to work on wall street to go play blackjack. And I said, I want to go play blackjack. And that's kind of, that's kind of how we got started. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So you make this, you know, they make this plan with your college buddy. We're going to be professional, specifically blackjack players. And, you know, I'm assuming like you studied a lot of different books and like counting cards and all that stuff. So when you finally, you know, make the plan, I'm assuming, you know, you did this stuff in like Vegas, right? I'm assuming. 
We did it all over. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We did it all over. So there's casinos all over the country. There's this, it's so funny. There's kind of, and I love talking about this. Um, there's like a little sort of underground community, you might call it. It sort of has to be because, um, and I actually haven't, I didn't start talking about sort of counting cards and playing blackjack for a while because I didn't want to sort of, I don't know. I, I didn't want casinos to find out that, Hey, here I am doing all this stuff. But I said, you know, I, I I've kind of moved away from that, but in any event, um, yeah, we, um, we, we found out that there was this, there was like a, a newsletter type thing. And it literally listed every single casino in the country and a whole bunch of data points for those casinos. So like oh. what the minimum table limits were, um, things like, uh, how many tables were available at the casino, what kind of all these different data points. And so we were able to just look through that thing and sort of map out routes. So we're based out of the East coast, um, based out of DC and we drove up the East Coast. We hit a whole bunch of different casinos. And then we found out from a, this is a, a sort of a side story, but basically we uh, kind of found out from a mentor of sorts who was a, a card counter himself, learned from one of the original MIT players. And he said that a weekend in Vegas is worth a full month on the East Coast. Just that the amount of casinos that you can get to in Vegas just dwarfs what you can do on the East Coast because it's few and far between. And when you go to a casino and you're counting cards, you really have to be careful to um, not like overexpose yourself. And so we were never really at any single casino for more than about an hour, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. And so when you're doing that and casinos are spread out, maybe you know 100 miles a piece, uh, it's a lot different than being in Vegas, where you can literally go from one casino to the next, to the next, to the next. So yeah, we played everywhere, but um, Vegas was preferred. Oh, wow. So this is some real high level strategic. This wasn't just, oh, okay, I'm going to go like play slots. At the... <laughs> we no, think of no. Like, you're not doing scratch outs here. This is like some high operational. <laughs> okay. Wow. So Hmm. So, you know, you're figuring out the ropes with, you know, your college roomie. It seems like you guys are getting the hang of it. You're learning, you know, from the original MIT, you know, professionals. So what made you want to stop? Were your parents super disapproving or what made you change course? Yeah, so we... We really just, we ran a lot of the numbers, um, which is you know maybe evident at this point. We ran a lot of the numbers and the statistics, but um, we, we just sort of didn't run all of them, I guess you could say, because what was happening is we were doing really well on paper at the casinos, but we were with, that was our only source of income. And so we were two recent college grads that had signed an apartment lease solely on blackjack income. And, uh, it, it, you know, trying to support yourselves with, you know, pay your car insurance, your rent, utilities, your food, like literally everything. Uh, we were just drawing too much from our bankroll and it got especially bad when we would hit a downswing and then have to pay some big bills mm -hmm. because like any investment, even in the stock market, there can be a lot of volatility, but as long as you just leave it in there, it, it'll continue to trend upwards. And, um, you know, that I, I suppose that would have kept happening, but we were using it as a source of income. So eventually we just, we, we just didn't have a big enough bankroll anymore to support our, our living. And we eventually had to find uh, new ways to make money. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. And so do you believe in that saying, I believe it's um, like the house always wins. Do you believe in that or... Well, they do 99.99% of the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, because, you know, the, the, all the games are designed to be in their favor. So, um, yeah, they, they, I'd say generally speaking, they do. Yeah. Hmm. I see. Okay. That makes sense. And so after Blackjack, you know, what's the next move for you guys? We were still interested in, in entrepreneurship. I mean, we had just, the, the light had been um, sort of, shown, so to speak, like we, we, this was our new reality that, okay, we've done this semi-successfully. Um, there have to be some other ways that we can make money without uh, getting a, a regular job. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started driving for Lyft and Uber. I 
was tutoring a high school student, babysitting uh, a couple kids. I was teaching an after-school financial several after-school financial literacy classes to kids in grades K through 12, and I was uh, working on an app uh, with an app called TaskRabbit. I don't know if you have that in Chicago. Do you? Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> back then it was fairly new to DC, and uh, but you know I, I just between all of that I was also training jujitsu about four to five times a week, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. And, um, you know, task and all those things allowed me to be pretty flexible with my time and the way that I made money. So uh, it just, it, it ended up working out. Uh, that, that was sort of the next step in, in any event. Interesting. So that, okay. So that makes sense. Ultimately, like most of us, I think you discovered kind of what we all really want, which is freedom. But sometimes mm -hmm. we don't know how to like really like verbalize it and like how to get there. And so yeah. we're kind of feeling around for a lot of different things and seeing what sticks and what works. And, you know, when when you are young and, you know, <laughs> you know, the bones aren't creaking and all that stuff, I'm exactly. sure like, you know, doing jujitsu and tutoring and task it felt, you know, didn't feel too tiring <laughs> on <laughs> your body. So, so did it eventually you know take a toll on your body oh yeah oh yeah for sure yeah so i uh we, we had also uh, raised money from friends and family to uh, to up our blackjack bankroll and um so so once we stopped playing we still had money to pay back and so that was a, a big driving factor for gosh so much of, of what has happened it's sort of like the best and the worst thing that ever happened because we you know accumulated this debt and um, it, it really forced us to to be even more sort of hardworking and diligent than we felt like we already were. So yeah, I mean, I just uh, I, I sleep I slept on a training partner's couch for six months. I spent some time sleeping in my car, couch hopping, oh, wow. um, just just so I didn't have to pay rent at a regular place. Um, every now and then, I'd do an Airbnb for you know a, like a week, or you know I had a summer place, a room in a in a shared you know, house for, for, for the summer. And I really just reduced my costs and worked as much as I could in all of these different things while still trying to pursue Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's the grappling martial art that you see uh, in mixed martial arts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it absolutely wore me out mentally. And then physically, it just took a toll on, on me as well. Wow. Hmm. That is, whew. that's a, <laughs> I really feel like you've lived like five lives. That's a lot. Wow. It, it, it wasn't. And it's so funny because like now that I'm able to reflect on it a little bit, I have so much more peace in my life now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, circumstances have changed, but um, it, I, I really, I was, so, I felt like I was so in retrospect now I, I can say I was so unhappy, like in school. And I granted this is, this is like first world unhappy, you know, uh -huh. I mean, I had a, a full stomach, clean running water, you know, warm house, warm clothes, loving parents, like all that. Mm -hmm. But I, I really did not like school. You know, I, mm -hmm. um, I made the best of it, but I did not care for it. And the fact that I, you know, from age five until 22, I was in school. It just, I, I, I would have left school in, in middle school if I could have continued my education, but like middle school, I had a great time. And then, you know, everything after that was kind of miserable. So I think that I just was pulled so far in, in that direction that uh, I was willing to do whatever it took to go the complete opposite way. And I think I really embraced what is now sort of a, a hot term hustle culture. I think more and more people yeah. are starting to realize that this is something that um, was and still is kind of uh, championed, but now it's, it's got kind of a label to it. We can sort of identify that actually maybe it's not so productive. Maybe you should have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more balance in your life and just sort of take life day by day and not try and rush everything. Cause I think that's what I was trying to do. Mm, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. I'm definitely a rusher. <laughs> Interesting. So, you know, you mentioned a lot about you know, not liking, not liking, uh, traditional schooling. So do you, so with your finance degree, some people would probably say, you know, why don't you just, you know, go work for, you know, an investment firm or like, just, you know, mm -hmm. just go and do that. Do you feel like traditional jobs kind of reminded you of a traditional school structure? Uh, in a way, and actually, I think there's some great jobs out there that offer remote work, you know, unlimited 
you know, pay time off and, and they're just, they treat their employees well. I think there are some amazing jobs out there, uh, but it was just, I think some of us on a very deep level just want to really be in control of our time at a level that, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest things that separates entrepreneurs from employees is not necessarily something that's learned. Although I think people can absolutely learn to, to do either one, but I think there's this sort of inherent drive. I don't know if it's genetic or what it is, but I just felt like it would have been soul crushing to even take one of those like quote, great jobs. I just, uh, I, yeah, I, I've just desperately wanted to learn how to make money on my own and, um, and, and control my time and find work that, for, find work, create work for myself that is fulfilling. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely um, agree with that. I find that most, uh, you know, super successful entrepreneurial-minded people, it usually starts very young. I find that most we don't come across entrepreneurship when they get older. It's usually like, oh, you know, when I was younger, I was, you know, selling candy and flipping it, or I was, you know, they always have right. like some random story about how they always wanted to, you know, make money for themselves. And so now that you have sort of found your, like your niche in financial coaching, I'm assuming that from that one side hustle of um, fin doing financial education for uh, young people that that kind of stemmed into, you know, what you do now. And so I know that you prime you primarily specialize in you know former MMA you know fighters and um, entrepreneurs and so how do you get people you know people in those sectors to open up to you you know fighters are usually pretty guarded hmm. um, I wonder how you are able to get them to open up to you and talk about their finances. Yeah, it's it's a uh, that's an interesting perspective, and it is the sort of financial education that I was doing earlier that did uh, lead me to what I'm doing now. Um, I was it was a startup in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia region, Spark Business Academy, uh, led by uh, a, a gentleman who was pretty innovative. And so we were teaching after school, like in the same way that kids have their after school chess clubs or intramurals or whatever it is. Um, he introduced a stock market club and a personal finance club and my first lemonade stand for kindergartners. And so we were um, teaching all these classes and hiring a whole bunch of instructors to teach them as well, developing relationships with a lot of the schools. And that was going well for a while. I eventually started leading those operations. Um, uh, eventually, I, I really just wanted to work more with adults. I started taking more of a personal interest in my own personal finances and learned how to money, manage my money pretty well. And so as I started exploring different niches, I thought, you know, I love jujitsu, UFC fighters uh, fight and earn money sometimes only two or three times a year, sometimes less. Like I've got a client, he fought and uh, got injured. And so he's been off for over a year now and he had to rely on that one, you know, multi six figure uh, paycheck to live on for the next couple of years, oh, which wow. sounds like great for anyone. They're like, yeah, I'd love to get a lump sum like that, but it, that add, you got to manage that well to make that last, especially when your body and, and what you can actually do with it is your primary you know, way that you can make money. So um, knowing that they already had trouble managing their money, not all of them, of course, but a lot of, you know, anyone who is just goes from, you know, being an employee to, only making money maybe two or three times a year and big lump sum payments. Um, I knew that if I just introduced myself, I could start a conversation. And that's sort of what happened with a lot of them. So I just started posting some basic sort of posts and videos on Instagram to demonstrate that I had an idea, you know, a general idea about what I was, you know, some demonstration of what I knew um, rather than just some random person who had a you know, pictures of food and, and, a, and a dog on my Instagram or something. So <laughs> I, I kind of built it and tailored it a little bit to share financial information and started reaching out to fighters just on Instagram. Hey, my name's Chris. This is what I do. I'd love to talk to you about this sometime if you're interested. And uh, some of them were, you know, like I said, in this, this one of my first clients, um, he had, he brought me on just after he fought and got injured. So I think in his head, he knew he was going to have, uh, he, he was going to want some help managing his money. And that's kind of how I got started with it. 
Got it. Okay. And so, yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, that lump sum of money seems good, but in hindsight, you can spend that very quickly. And Mm -hmm. so I was wondering if you had any tips for people who, um, specifically, specifically any budgeting tips around, um, people who have, uh, who don't receive, you know, same, you know, bi-weekly or monthly paychecks, their income is inconsistent. If you had any advice for people who have that type of income? Absolutely. Yeah. My income has been inconsistent for, uh, the last couple of years now, and I've been working with clients whose income is inconsistent. That's sort of my my specialty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the big thing is deciding what to do with your money when you receive it. Uh, and, and if it's not immediately after you receive it, then as long as it's before you spend it. So, I mean, if you can have an account where all of your money comes into and then have separate, at least one separate spending account uh, that, that's sort of separate from that, then you can let's say receive, receive some money, whether it's a paycheck for freelancing or from your business or whatever it might be, you receive money into this, we'll call it your income account. And on a sheet of paper, um, I've been meaning to get this up on my website. I haven't yet. So if you or your listeners you know, want this from me, uh, it's called a cash flow tracker. And I'm happy to send it to you. Uh, awesome. But you can also create, yeah, you can also create one on your own. It's just when you receive, let's say you receive $1,000 for a job. Well, you get out a piece of paper or a spreadsheet. And at the top, you write, you know, income $1,000. Along the side, it takes a little bit of prep sort of to get to this point. I'm happy to dive into it as deep as you'd like to. Oh, but, yeah, sure. Yeah. Go in. <laughs> yeah. And, and so along the left-hand side of, of the paper, you've got your budget categories, which should also be either cash envelopes or bank accounts. And it should not be very many. Uh, it should not be very many categories or envelopes or bank accounts. I think the traditional budget really um, you know, screws people over in that way where people think that they need to have you know, 20 different budget categories or 15 different cash envelopes. But you can really narrow it down. Again, I'm happy to go into it as, as deep as you'd like, but you just, you, you've got your list of accounts on, along the left-hand side and you just divvy up that money. Um, and then you move, transfer your money from let's say your income account into those accounts. And as long as you only use each account for its intended purpose, well, then you are... Uh, you're sticking to your plan. You're sticking to the decisions that you've made. And what's even better is that now you've actually tracked where your money has gone and there's no need to track your expenses afterwards. Because as long as, again, as, as long as you've, um, you're only using each account for its purpose and you don't overspend, well, you know exactly how much you put in. And uh, if you've got a little bit left over at the end of the month, well, cool, you know, put less in next month if you want. But um, that's, that's sort of the, the basics, decide what to do with your money, ensure that you stick to your decisions and track it in an efficient way. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, I'll definitely, uh, make sure to put, um, the link for your, your cash flow tracker. No, that's really good. Yeah. Because again, we are in an, um, a job market where more people are doing gig work, more people are in entrepreneurship. So there's that, you know, you may receive, you know, a hundred grand all at once. And mm-hmm. you can run through that money. I know it sounds like, oh, you know, you can easily run through any amount. We see it all the time with athletes that, you know, get millions and millions. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're broke, but having, and, problem- and in debt with the IRS because they didn't realize oh, yeah. they had to set aside their own taxes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a whole, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good old taxes. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, oh, so with that, do you have any, and again, you know, obviously this is, you know, entertainment purposes only, we are not tax um, <laughs> right. professionals, but do you have any tax tips? Do you tell people to set aside a certain amount of their money for taxes? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's going to depend on how you're earning money. But yeah, if you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer or self-employed, whatever you want to call it, business owner, uh, you're responsible for, your, for paying your own taxes. Mm-hmm. And so the one of the best things that you can do is just, um, you know, like on a cash flow tracker, let's say, you would have your income. And then the, the first line right underneath is taxes. And if you have no idea what it should be, start with 30%. That's probably going to be way more for some people. But Maybe not because, uh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur or working by yourself, um, you've got to play both sides of the payroll tax. So again, I don't want to go 
too deep uh, unless we want to. But yeah, so 30% is a great place to start. It may be quite a bit more, maybe less, but uh, it's great to proactively set that money aside in a completely separate savings account. Um, the other thing is to take more of an interest in taxes. I used to, like many people, never really understand it. Um, it, it just sort of, I guess, scared me and bored me. But then I read a book called Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. I really like that. And he, he offers a new mindset on taxes, a new spin on it. He says the tax code is a treasure map, that the tax code is, desi- is uh, designed, the tax code is designed to incentivize various actions and activities. And if you can uncover and understand what it is that the government wants you to do, be it investing in businesses, in your own business, perhaps, um, you know, uh, producing uh, sustainable energy, farming, you know, providing jobs and real estate. Like these are all things that benefits the entire economy and therefore, you know, the government. So these are all tax, uh, you, you get tax, you get tax deductions and incentives for a lot of these things. And if you just start, if you shift that mindset from, gosh, taxes are such a bore, I don't understand them at all to, you know what, let me learn one thing. Let me, let me read one book about taxes. Uh, it can really make a big difference. Yeah, that is, that's a major, that's a major gem. You dropped like 10 of them in like a short amount of time. (laughs) That was really, really good. Um, I was actually, yeah, recently talking to um, someone about this and, you know, he reminded me, he said, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, Republican, Democrat, liberal, whatever. They're ultimately, most of your government officials are well off, you know, (laughs) rich individuals. And they're going to do things to benefit themselves. So find out the things that they do so that you can, you know, you can benefit as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not the romantic thing that most people want to hear about, you know, the political system, but I mean, it's, it's really true. Find out what, what essentially they do and what benefits them. And then ultimately, you know, you can copy it in your own form. Um, But yeah, Yeah. that's really, that's really, that's really helpful. Wow. Awesome. Okay. And so um, essentially when you're, you're uh, when you're working with clients, do you find that there are any specific downfalls or any like main sort of pain points that you find that generally speaking, most people tend to have this issue or these issues? Sure. So uh, spending problems, right. They might have just a, a lot of it is an anxiety or just like a lack mm. of peace around, you know, looking at your bank account, not knowing where your money went. So there's just this anxiety or frustration uh, about your money and, and confusion. You know, you might just throw your hands up in the air. I, you know, I've never really learned about money. I don't know where to start, all, all that kind of stuff. Investing too. People might realize nowadays with social media, we're seeing more and more uh, different folks talk about investing. And so you might have an idea that investing is good, but you might not know where to start. Um, I bring up kind of all those together because I actually think there's sort of an underlying, not so much an issue, but an an underlying reality that we don't really give enough credit to, which is that once you really understand what you can do with money and what money can do for you, you will never handle it the same way again. You will never think mm. about it the same way again. So the fact that you might overspend on stuff that you really don't need says to me that you don't really understand how far your money can go. You're not, you're not valuing, um, you're not recognizing how valuable money can be to provide you with freedom, to provide you with security, to provide you and your family and friends with the same, you know, for you to be able to invest in yourself, to learn new skills and, um, you know, take risks because you've built up, let's say a little cushion to, to fall back on. And there's so much that, that money can do for you. And there are reliable ways, I say as reliable as they can be ways to invest, um, that aren't complicated, just investing in, let's say, an S&P 500 ETF or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, s- something similar. So uh, I think a lot of that just comes down to not really understanding the value of money. Yeah. Oh, that is good. You know, hmm. yeah, that is really good. Because I, on, on this platform, you know, a lot of us, 
you know, generally speaking, we we kind of most of us know the gist of what to do, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a matter of doing it and our habits and a lot of mindset stuff is really yeah. at the heart of a lot of this as I'm discovering, you know, my own stuff. And then as I talk to other people, I'm seeing a lot of this as, you know, just a lot of mental battles that we're <laughs> that we're really dealing with. That's yeah. really good we don't really understand the value of how far our money can go. I really like that. Like, let me get Hmm. a shirt or something. Okay. (laughs) Wow. So with, with that, how, how do, how do we overcome, you know, those um, there's certain, there's certain um, issues, for instance, confusion there's a lot of user-friendly you know activity if it's YouTube if it's a podcast like this one there's content out there now so then how do we deal with some of those like some of those behavioral um, habits and things like that what are some tips for dealing with that stuff yeah I wish I could give a simpler answer so I'll say this um, I think it's great to start with the sort of tried and true, um, sources, starting with the tried and true sources, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Total Money Makeover, mm-hmm. um, Richest Man in Babylon, Tax-Free Wealth, um, what else? Uh, gosh, the, uh, the I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Yes. Um, if you start with some, like these are, uh, who, who the budget Nista, she, she's got a great book. I forget what that's called. Um, yeah, she just so, came out with a, with a new book. Yeah, I think she came out with it this year. Yeah, I think she came out with it. Oh, year. okay. Yeah, so like start with some of the sort of tried and true sources before you start taking, you know, um, like it's, it's fine to expose yourself to a lot of these different ideas, even the ones that I'm talking about, you know, but these are tried and true, like the ones that you're reading in the books, by and large, like Dave Ramsey has probably helped more people than the, you know, 90% of all personal finance folks combined. So mm-hmm. like, go see what he says and just start with, with that. Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, you start, start with some of the, the essentials. And then as far as habits go, it's sort of a, maybe like a two-pronged approach. So learn a little bit about how, let's say, human habits work. Uh, there's a couple habit books come to mind and you can listen to it on Audible if you don't love reading or if you'd rather just listen to it on your commuter, whatever it is. But uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Charles Duhigg wrote a book called, um, I forget what habit book he wrote, but uh, James Clear references his uh, that book often. There is Tiny Habits by someone fog. Um, I forget his name, uh, something fog, BJ fog. And so, yeah, learn about habits a little bit. Uh, If I could summarize them a little bit, I'd say in order for, you know, a habit to really be built and stick for the long run, uh, James clear in atomic habits uh, breaks down this model that a habit has to be uh, obvious. It has to be attractive it has to be easy to carry that, you know, carry out that action, and it has to be rewarding. And so you can actually sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, sort of hijack and and like you know, really dissect the the actions that you want to take and the habits that you want to build. And when it comes to let's say managing your money, you know, th- so many people fail to manage their money because they try and and budget and then track their expenses. Expense tracking, in my opinion, is a hill that I will die on is not sustainable for the long term, mm-hmm. unless you've got someone that's like kind of doing it for you that you're, you're paying sort of a, a fractional CFO or someone to do it for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, something that you can like uh, automating your finances is one of the easiest ways. Uh, it's, it, it makes it, you know, it's kind of your habit being done for you. If you can break down your initial budget of what you need for fixed and recurring expenses, general needs, general wants throughout the month, you know, what you need to pay off for debt for the month, your insurance, and uh, it's kind of included in your recurring expenses, but kind of you get those basics down and then you can set up some bank accounts, set up some recurring transfers. Uh, I'm glazing it over like it's really easy. It does take a little bit of time, but those are some great ways that you can approach it. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's really good. I, yeah, I've heard a lot about atomic habits. I think I'm gonna have to go on ahead and add that to my oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And so I know that um also with you know with dealing with habits, I know that you have three, you know, sort of like core financial habits that will, you know, last for last you for a lifetime as it relates to managing your money. So could you briefly talk about those three? 
Yeah, for sure. And so I've mentioned uh, I I've mentioned them a, a little bit earlier, but they are based on what I've identified as the principles of managing money. And so, uh, first of all, the goal, right? The goal of managing your money is to use your money in the most effective way possible for you to live the life of your dreams in whichever way that impacts you, your family, your friends, and even strangers around the world. So in order to do that, the first principle is to decide what to do with your money. So I, it took me a while to really understand, like people are using budgets or using cash envelopes, but I'm like, what is happening here on a principle first, on a first principle level? Uh, when you create a budget and you are certainly when you're doing it in this way, kind of using a different accounts and a cash flow tracker, you're deciding what to do with your money. Ideally, it's when that money comes in and before you spend a dime of it. Principle number two is to ensure that you stick to your decisions. So when your classic budgeting says that, you know, in order to stick to the plan that you've created for yourself, you're typically using one primary checking account. And there, because you've got, let's say, 15 different budgeted categories for this one checking account, you have to track every single expense as you spend it. You have to categorize that expense. You have to sum, uh, sum up that category. And then you have to subtract it from your budgeted amount literally any time throughout the month when you want to know how much you have left to spend for that category. And so like I, that is unsustainable in my opinion. In my opinion and in my experience, because I've tried that. What I'd rather see you do is um, use, like I said, this cash flow tracker. Your, your money comes in. Uh, there are probably listeners here that are on a regular salary. And so uh, whether it's if money comes in uh, biweekly, you put this amount of money at the top and you say, here are my categories. Uh, each category has its own account or has its own envelope. I prefer uh, accounts because you don't get paid in cash. You hardly use cash anymore. And you just go down this list and divvy up your money and then transfer that money uh, into each respective account, as well as only use each account for its intended purpose. Don't go using your needs account to buy a new iPhone unless you just desperately depend on I don't know, an iPhone, maybe up to you. But yeah, principle number two in summary is to ensure that you stick to your decisions. And you can do that by using, let's say, separate bank accounts with Ally Bank, which allows you to open up as many bank accounts as you want, fully online, FDIC insured. I mean, I don't have a, a relation with them, but they don't have minimum balances or the hidden fees that a lot of traditional banks do. And then coming down to principle number three is tracking your money in some sort of efficient and organized manner. Again, I love a cash flow tracker because, you know, whether it's on a piece of paper or even better yet, if you, uh, if it's on a spreadsheet, you can uh, track it on just one spreadsheet. You know, you've got your initial sort of breakdown for one date. And then to the right, you've got the next date and you break down whatever income you received. And uh, as you start understanding, sort of what amounts you need for each account and for each purpose, you can set up automatic transfers eventually. But as long as you are filling that out, you've now tracked your money, you know where it's gone, and you will never again look at your bank account and wonder, gosh, where did my money go? Because you are deciding what to do with your money and only using it as you've decided and you've written it down or put it in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that is, that is really, really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm still stuck on the, you know, the stick to it. That is, <laughs> let me like highlight that part because sure. I can make a plan, but <laughs> it's about sticking to it. It's, it can be difficult. You know, it's the same thing with our uh, fitness goals. You know, it's, mm -hmm. we all know that if we want to um, lose weight, we need to eat less and exercise more. If we want to gain weight, we need to eat more and also exercise more. Uh, but yes, yeah, sticking to it is, is the difficult part. That's what I help most people with. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. And then, so um, if people are interested in, you know, getting coaching from you, um, how would they go about doing that? Sure. So you can shoot me a text. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me, or um, at least me or my assistant. It's 240 uh, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, chrisallenhanna.com. Uh, sorry, chrisallenhanna is the, is the, uh, is my name on Instagram, no H at the end of that, Hannah. Uh, the website is the same, chrisallenhannah.com. And uh, yeah, you can reach out to me either of those ways. If, if you have any questions, if anything that I've said has really resonated with you, or if you have um, you know questions about it, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. All right. And so, yes, this has been absolutely fantastic. And so we're kind of getting to 
the bit of the wrap up questions here. So as you, you know, you look at, look back on your journey, I mean, everything from college to, you know, you said at one point you're sleeping in your car to doing, you know, five side hustles and jujitsu and to now, is there anything that you wish, you know, I know you mentioned this um, idea of rushing, but is there anything that you wish that you may have done differently along your journey? Yes. Uh, if you give me a second, I, I know that there could be some things that I could have done differently. Um, it, it's tough because, you know, everything that I did led me to this point and I'm sort of happy. I don't like to use the happy. I'm very at peace. That's been my goal. You know, even that was a shift. Um, you know what, if, if I had recognized that, that peace was actually more of a goal than sort of happiness, uh, you know, those, we can sort of misconstrue those words. I think a little bit happiness is fleeting. Peace is sort of more of a, just kind of a stable, you know, more of a natural kind of state. And I think that had I recognized that earlier, um, I, my life wouldn't have been so hectic. And, you know, I was young and right out of college. And so, you know, it's, it's all well and good, but it was really tough and uncomfortable for at a lot of those moments and not, it wasn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily necessary. So I probably would just would have made a bit of a mindset shift earlier on. Cool. Cool. That is awesome. And so would you say that uh, peace over happiness is sort of your mantra that you live by or anything that helps you get up in the morning? <laughs> well, last year I thought about, so every year for the last like several years, my girlfriend and I, uh, before the new year, we just sort of take some time to reflect on the last year, um, you know, write down not just our goals, but sometimes like just fun little phrases or words that we, you know, kind of summarize how we're feeling uh, or what we're looking forward to or whatever it might be. And I think about two years ago, sort of at the height of, of kind of all this craziness, I said for the next year, uh, my mantra will be peace and ease flow through me. And that was sort of ev everything that I did. I tried to sort of incorporate that with everything that I did. Um, and, and now that is still very much alive. And, and I think about that, but my main focus now is to try and build a life that I really enjoy. That's fulfilling where I can, um, you know, I, I love helping people, meeting new people and helping them with their finances because it means so much to me and it's helped me so much in my life. So I, I'm working on building a business now, um, you know, financial coaching and uh, that that's really important for me. And I'm working on helping other people do the same, not just make money, but how can they create a life that they really enjoy doing work that they love? Absolutely. Wow. That's really nice. Peace and ease flow through me. I really like that. Awesome. Cool. And yeah, and then my last one is, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a lighter one. Do you have um, like a favorite food or a favorite drink or anything? Ooh, I've been loving curries as of late. So um, I think I had some like from a restaurant, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And it was good, but it was like so spicy. And so I just thought all, <laughs> all curry was all super spicy. And I had some more recently that wasn't nearly as spicy, but was still like really delicious. So I've been trying to kind of craft my own at home. And I wouldn't say I'm completely failing, but I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, so I, I would say some sort of, you know, curry over rice. I love it over rice. Nice. Very cool. Well, yeah. Let me yeah. know like if you yeah, and listen. your girlfriend ever come to Chicago, like sure. I live literally the black, like literally there it's lined with a bunch of like Indian, oh, that sounds great. like, I mean, just restaurants just right next to each other. Like, so let me know. That sounds amazing. I will definitely let you know. <laughs> yes. They've, they've got some amazing restaurants. Well, yes, this has been this has been really awesome. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time. Um, Demcoin family, once again, if you want to reach out to Chris, you can text him or you can reach out to him on Instagram. So once again, thank you so, so very much, Chris. Thank you. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Akua. It's been a pleasure to, to talk to you and to meet you and learn more about you as well. Well, first episode of 2022. We coming in hot. What? What?
Oh man, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. You know, um, a lot of takeaways. I got a lot of bookmark spots in here. I think Chris's approach to budgeting is really interesting as well. I think sometimes uh, if you're a little more type A like me and you create systems and sometimes they get a little convoluted and a little too complex to keep up with. So I definitely, I'm going to scale that back. Um, And I really love that peace and ease flows through me. Um, At my church, right before the new year, my pastor had a sermon about, you know, Christ really being the Prince of Peace and how, you know, if Christ is in our lives and there should be peace, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect, but that means that there is peace. That means that your heart is at peace, you know, and your being is at peace and, you know, peace over happiness because happiness is a fleeting emotion. Peace is a state of being, you know, we can't chase emotions. We can't be happiness all the time. So, you know, I, I'm really excited. I'm excited for us, y'all. 2022, we getting it, you know, Omarion, whatever variant comes along, y'all, we getting it. (laughs) So I'm excited and, you know, just continue to be awesome and great and continue to share your story with me and others. And let's continue to, you know, talk about finances, get rid of some of the, um, the, uh, what is, what is that word when people don't talk about things? (laughs) The, um, (laughs) I forgot the stigma, right? Is that the, no, that's not the word, uh, yeah, let's stop making it taboo, right? I think that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, that is the first episode of this year. Many more awesome to come. Thank you guys for listening. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also, feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.